Welcome to the Masterclass of One with Zig Ziglar Master Coach David Creel. It's called the Masterclass of One because it's about the person David is speaking to, but you can listen and act like David is asking you the questions. Then go and apply them and change your life. If you want to create impact in the lives of others, increase your personal income, and be a more productive and efficient human being, you're in the right place. We're glad you're here. Okay, so David Creel, world's best double eagle coach with third of four for the Transformation Project. Of course, today we have Reggie and Miss Julia. How are you all today? Well, well, thank Doing you. well, thank you. Julia, you're looking very springy today with your uh, bright colors on today. I've got a bright shirt on too. Reggie, you didn't get the memo? What's the deal? I didn't get the memo. Okay, all right. Uh, what's that? Why, thank you. Oh, of course. Sure. You know, so today, the topic of the day, if I weren't my past, who would I be? So everybody has a past. But your past doesn't necessarily mean it has to dictate your future. So I guess my question would be to start, where in your life are you continually running a story in your head that you either picked up from your mom or your dad or your older brother or sister or a grandparent that's really not serving you anymore? Just by a quick, uh, quick side note, that was my, uh, that was what my little spiel was about. Is there anything that you're thinking that's holding you back from becoming all who God wants you to be? Well, now, isn't that uh, a good question? Um, Let me give you an example of one of mine. All growing up, my mom and dad We had enough, but it was barely enough. Barely. My mom and dad, my dad worked for a school district and he was like a, basically a carpenter, basically in the, in the, in the maintenance shop. And my mom for almost her whole life has been a, or was a, um, a high school principal's, uh, secretary. Or, uh, sorry, can't you say, can't, you can't say secretary, administrative assistant. My bad. Sorry. Um, and what do you think they always told me? Money doesn't grow on trees. Which is actually true. It, money does not grow on trees. Um, money is hard to come by. Money is gotten by going to a job and working your 40 hours a week. And then you go home and you're off on the weekends and then you get paid every two weeks or four weeks. And in the school system, you don't ever ask for a raise because the raises are set. You're, you can ask all day and it's going to be a no because there it's a set schedule of how you, how you get that. Um, something I picked up from my grandmother um, she grew up in, in the depression. So even though she had a little bit of money, she would still, she would wash out Ziploc bags and reuse them. And I was like, are you serious? I mean, you can get 300 of them for a dollar. I said, seriously, she's like, well, we're, we're just not going to, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. You know, you know, so the story that I picked up was exactly that. You go get a job, you work there for 30 or 40 years, you retire with the gold watch. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money uh, uh, definitely doesn't come from serving others. Money comes from 
you know, you go to work, you agree to work, you go work and they pay you. Um, but is that necessarily so? Just because it was true for them doesn't mean necessarily it's, it's true for me or true at all. Well, I certainly believe that we have options available to us today that weren't available in the past. And um, there may have been guarantees that were available in the past that don't exist any longer that kind of uh, suggest it'd be a good idea to look look at some of these new opportunities. You know, they were, it was much more likely back then that they'd be able to stay at a job for 30 years or whatever and come out with a livable retirement um, than it is now. Not that it's not guaranteed that you can stay anywhere for 30 years or that your, your retirement package, if you have one, will be something to take care of you in retirement. So th- things are definitely different. Oh, all true. But there were people starting business when my mom and dad were working too. There were people who've been starting business forever. I mean, I mean, uh, the baker made some bread and then traded a pound of bread for a pound of butter from the guy that had the, the cows. That's true. been going on since, since recorded history. Now, I agree with you that it's different with now we have technology. I can go do a house quote for pressure washing. When I look at Google Maps, and I can give you a quote right there over the phone. I don't have to go drive over there. We have navigation system. We have access to more information. But I guess the, the point of that was really think about what story that you're saying is fact may not actually be fact just because someone told you that it was fact. That is true and good. So the theme for me this week. Okay. Well, second time has come up. Well, okay. So first time is luck, which doesn't exist. That's a different story. First time is luck. Second time's a fluke. Third time becoming a trend. Just letting you know. I mean, might be something to look into. Um, And we all have a past. I mean, we all have a year, two years, three years, 10 years, 50 years, whatever we have. But how would it change things? And before we go any further, I am not saying that what happened to you in the past was not important, relevant, hopefully not trauma or traumatization, but, but you can't do anything about it anyway. You can't do anything about the last three seconds, much less the last three years. And if you're trapped in a mindset of this is how I am going forward because of what happened to me weeks, months, years, decades ago. What if we just shifted it to that didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Because someone with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an opinion. For example, I've had kidney stones before. Okay. If you've ever had a kidney stone, uh, uh, let's go with this. If you've never not had a kidney stone, think of the worst pain you've ever been in in your life and dial it up to about 10 more notches. That's how bad it, I mean, it's beyond miserable. Case in point, the last time I had one, now it's been several years, but the last time I had one, 
the female nurse, because I had to go in and get uh, get them removed. And then miraculously, I go and pay for the surgery and the doctor gets in there two days prior. I go for my scan to make sure it's there. It's uh, I think it was. 10, 10 or 11 millimeters. Okay. You can't physically pass anything bigger than eight. And he said, you really don't want to pass eight, but he said, it's literally impossible. You cannot do it under any circumstances. So it's bigger than that. So I go a couple of days before I have my surgery. The x-ray clear as day. There's the stone. I go in for the surgery two days later. Stone's not there. It's gone. Now, I could not physically pass it. It was impossible. But it wasn't there. It wasn't in my right kidney. It wasn't in my left kidney. Gone. So he goes, how did you pass? He goes, did you pass it? I said, well, if it was impossible for me to pass, how would I pass it? If I physically can't do it, how could I pass it? He's like, well, I don't know where the stone is. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So before I had that, the, the nurse told me the day before there was a lady in there with a kidney stone. A couple of months before she had her kidney stone, she gave birth to a human with no drugs. And that lady said the kidney stone hurt worse than that. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is coming from a lady who spoke to a lady because I know what some girls are thinking. Oh, well, you've never had a baby. All true. 100% true. But a lady told me that a lady told her that the kidney stone hurt worse than that. Now, all that to say, if you've never had a kidney stone, you only have an opinion about how bad they hurt. I have had an experience. So if you say I've had a kidney stone, I can honestly say, I know how you feel. And I could also say this too shall pass, (laughs) but, or not, or it'll just vanish. But with all that being said, and if the mindset is something's happened for me and not to me, who better to help someone else in the same situation that you went through if you've had an experience of what they're going through? It may not be exactly, but let's just say uh, Julia, for example, her husband passed, correct? Several years ago, uh, you know, so... We're not going to dwell on this. I'm just giving you an example. Who better to help other people who have also lost a spouse, especially a husband, than someone who has lost a husband? So in Julia's case, that didn't happen to her. Perhaps it happened for her so she can in turn help other people with the exact same or a really close struggle to what she went through and survived and thrived in the process. So I guess my question for you is what story or what event in your past no longer serves you and you need to get rid of? Any thoughts? For me, it's um, not feeling like I have enough as a person to be effective or helpful. And I know that's not true. Um, There's times I have compared myself to others and it's not a valid comparison. Everyone's on their own path and the things that I have encountered in my life um, are different than everyone else's. So mm-hmm. 
I have to remind myself that I'm on the path that God chose for me. And he has given me skills and abilities that are unique that I have for a special reason and purpose. Well said. So I guess my question would be, where did you pick up sometime in your past that you weren't enough? Um, probably in my elementary years when we moved um, every few months, I went to 12 or 13 elementary schools. And so always being the new kid, I was always having to find out what was really going on. I was never there basically the first day of school to find out what, you know, what the format or rules or the structure was. Um, I always felt like I was just out of step with everyone else because we moved a lot. My dad had construction jobs all over the Southwest. So it was just life for my whole elementary years. So, um, yeah, feeling, feeling like the odd person in the room always. Okay. So my Bible probably says the same thing as your Bible that says that you are a masterpiece. A masterpiece is not something Y'all got home. Y'all got Hobby Lobbies over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, a, a masterpiece is not one you go buy from Hobby Lobby for twenty dollars. Yeah. A masterpiece is something that is one of one, or one of a handful in the whole world. And since you are a masterpiece. That means you're special because of the seven and a half or so billion people that are on this planet and the however many billions that have been here before then, there's never been another Julia. You're one of one and Reggie's one of one and I'm one of one, even twins. We all know at least one set of twins. I know a couple pretty well. They're polar opposites of each other, born to the same mom, the same dad at the same time within a handful of minutes. And one of them is introverted and one of them is extroverted. And one of them is a people person. And one of them wants to just go play video games all day. And one of them won't say a word and the other one won't shut up. So how is that possible? It's same blood, same everything, same upbringing, but they're different. It's like your thumbprint. Everyone has their own thumbprint or, you know, their own finger fingerprints. So I guess my question for you would be, how would it change things for you if in any situation you came across before you entered the situation, you said, I am enough? That would be very good. Julia, you're enough. Yes, I am enough. Yes. Amen. Now, that's not my words. <laughs> yeah. That's somewhere in those red letters. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, I'm trying to think of the exact word I want to use. If God's crazy about you and he's got your back and he's already invented everything seen and unseen. And by the way, this whole galaxy that we spin in and this whole ball that we live on. Yeah. He did all that too. It doesn't really matter what everyone else thinks because the creator of the known and unknown galaxy calls you his friend 
And he doesn't say you're not enough. That's that other guy that tells you that's not enough. So, and then, you know, my Bible also tells me, um, Cliff Notes, this is DCV. Okay, this isn't exactly what it says, but it's exactly what it says. You don't have to be in fear for what you're going to say because at the right time, I will tell you what you need to say. So that takes the pressure off because you don't have to have all the answers, nor should you try. Reggie, what story have you picked up that you need to let go of that's no longer serving you? It's similar to what Julia said. Um, it's the idea about not being enough, but it's in, it, it surfaces in specific situations when I'm around somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, who I feel like is several steps or levels ahead of me. Then I don't feel like I have. I haven't in the past felt like I had something that I would that would be took or haven't felt like I had something to contribute that would be useful to them. But um, listening to Julia and you and Julia speak now and reading something that um, a friend posted a few days ago. um, I'm already starting to um, set that aside because. You know, you never know what someone's going. You never know what someone's going through. There, there might just there might be a story that I heard somewhere that I can share at just the right time, and something that you know, like you were talking about, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. It could be something that I haven't thought about sure. in years. Sure, and he'll bring it, bring it up to our. You know, he'll bring it to. He'll bring it to our remembrance at just the right time. So you never know. You never know um, how God can use you in a situation. You never know what you have to share because everything that uh, might be of benefit to someone else. You never know what you have to share that might be of benefit to someone else because everything is not about life is not just the uh, the business aspect. You know, just because someone is a multimillionaire and you're not does not necessarily mean you have nothing that may be of value or benefit for them. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, how many, how many times have you seen people that have, uh, let's just, let's just use pro, pro athletes, for example, not all, but let's just use that as an example. They got pretty much all the money they could ever spend in their whole life. Unless you're Mike Tyson, that's a different story. Um, they got all the money they could ever have in their, in, they could ever spend in their lifetime, probably t- multiple lifetimes. They have the nicest house in town. They have the nicest cars. They've got a boat. They've got whatever, but they've been divorced four times. So would you really go for them, go to them for marriage advice? Right. And if someone says, all the time, no questions. I like, have you ever seen, uh, what's the movie? Uh, have you ever seen Ant-Man, the movie? Yes. Where he goes from human to little to massive. They have this truth serum they inject in people. I guarantee you, if the whatever, whoever you're speaking about, if you injected that truth serum in them and you asked them every single day, are you happy? Are you satisfied? And it, they had truth serum injected where they couldn't lie to you. I guarantee you they wouldn't say yes 365 days out of the year. Because everybody deals with stuff. And just because, just because they may have a million dollars, I mean, it doesn't mean they're Jesus incarnated. I mean, so they're a human being just like you. They just happen to have a little bit more money. You know, the... The, the thing I think we get stuck in, at least in this country, is there's a massive difference between the 
poor of this country and the poor of other countries. The poor of other countries may be living in a cardboard box and have a pair of shoes and one set of clothes. The poor in this country, for the most part, have a house or apartment, have at least a car, a cell phone, a laptop, internet, food on the table. It's just smaller. So instead of a 5,000 square foot house or a 50,000 square foot house, we have a 1,500 square foot house or a 2,000 square foot house or a 1,200 square foot house or an 800 square foot apartment. And for the most part, instead of having maybe like your multimillionaire person you're speaking of, instead of having eight cars, we only have two for ourselves, And then our spouse has one. Or we only have one motorcycle instead of seven. Or we only go play golf at the regular golf course instead of the ultra nice country club that's super exclusive. So we have similar stuff as the quote unquote rich people. It's just not as much or it's smaller for the most part. Now, of course, there's homeless people in the whole deal, but the vast majority of this country has shelter or a car they can sleep in if, if it came down to it. So I guess the question would be, what do you feel whenever you're talking to whatever this individual, whoever this is, or whoever the person you're speaking of, but we don't need their name. It's not important. But what about them makes you feel less than when you're trying to just talk to them? Well, it's not an actual person. It's just the, just the idea of being around someone who uh, is just further, much further along or much further accomplished, maybe, I might say. According um, to who? In my mind, a lot of that would have to be if I if I if I deem that there's like a huge gap in that my that probably is part of the problem. But if I uh if I deem that there's a huge gap between between us, I tend to I in the past anyway, I've tended to feel like there's not much I had to contribute, but that may not be the case, especially when you bring in spiritual matters, but, um, cause the Lord is, the Lord is the provider there and he, you know, everybody needs him and that kind of level thing levels things out. But, um, hold, yeah, hold, on. That, hold on. It kind of levels things out. The creator of the whole galaxy is on your side and it kind of levels everything out. No, that's, that's, that's not what I meant. That, I'm, what I was trying to say was, uh, I don't know. I lost the thought. Yes, you're okay. very right. You're okay. very right. So uh, I, my Bible says that you're more than conquerors. This is true. Which means like overwhelming. You're you're beating a team 70 to nothing. I mean, they're not even getting across the 50. But it's not us. It's just the guy who's got our back. Oh, and our front and both of our sides just happens to own everything. So um, I think especially like in your, I guess I thought you were talking about an actual person. So you're in your made up story that you're telling yourself, what does God say about you? Well, like you said, we're more than conquerors. Um, what else does he say? Says the hairs you know, like on the, your head are numbered. How uh, was that? Your The hairs on your head are numbered. That's how well oh, he knows. Amen. Yeah. Now, he doesn't have a whole lot of work with me, obviously, you know. Uh, but at one point, I did have a full head of hair at, at, at some point. Uh, but... One thing that we can't get in the habit, we can tend to get in the habit of doing is comparing ourselves to other people because that robs our joy from what we do have. Because if you're comparing yourself to 
this person, you know, that you're telling yourself what you're not doing is you're not being grateful for what you do have. The abundant oxygen that freely flows on the planet. Mm-hmm. Gravity. Gravity, we don't even think about gravity, but wouldn't it be kind of awkward if whenever you get out of bed, you all of a sudden start walking on the ceiling and you don't know if you're going to start walking on the ceiling or on the, on the, on the ground, or you're going to be upside down. I mean, you know, we don't think about gravity, but it just, it just happens. But we tend to compare ourselves not to people that are kind of in our, on our field kind of to say where you're comparing yourself to Tiger, like let's use golf. You go out the very first time to play golf in your whole life and you get mad at yourself because you're not winning the Masters like Tiger Woods, who spent 40 years of his life playing golf and you've played for three seconds and you're, you're like, how come I can't hit the ball like Tiger Woods? But on the flip side of that is, let's say with your example, but like the multimillionaire, what do you think the homeless person on the street thinks about you with your house? Or someone who's um, living in an undeveloped country, they, they got to walk six miles a day just to get water. What, what would you think they thought about you if, you saw, if they saw you? Yeah, it's a good point. So there's always two sides of the spectrum. Unless your name is Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, unless you're one of those two people, someone is going to have more money than you somewhere. Now, right now, they're the two leaders in the clubhouse by a lot. Yeah. But before they came on the scene, it was Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. They were, they were like neck and neck about who's, okay, this guy's the richest, this guy's the richest, this guy's, okay. But unless you're one of those handful of pe- four people, everyone else has more money or less money than you. Everyone. Even if you have a 15,000 square foot house, there's someone that has a one bedroom apartment they're running from an Airbnb from someone's friend because they don't have any money. Or they're living on someone's couch temporarily because uh, they, whatever, whatever happened. But the flip side of that is there's some people that have a 50,000 square foot house and it looks like a whole city and it's one house, you know, for two people to live there, you know? So the thing with the comparison though, is we got to remember there's another side of the story too. Not just people that are ultra successful, because if the, the ultra successful people, Again, what if they don't take care of themselves? What if their kids won't talk to them because they're a workaholic and they work 100 hours a week and they don't ever have any relationship with their kids? What if um, they, they drink till they pass out every single day? What if, oh, you name it, you know, so... And I'm not casting judgment because I've done the exact same thing. And I guarantee you, if you ask 100 people and you injected that truth serum in them, they'd tell you the same thing too. But there's no room for gratitude when you're comparing yourself to other people. And maybe maybe the barometer should be, if we're going to talk about just humans, maybe the barometer should just be, I'm looking for someone that's just a little bit further down the path than I am. Like, for example, I would absolutely love to be coached one-on-one by Rich Lipton. 100%. If I had the money, I'd do it tomorrow. But at this exact moment, I don't have 185 grand lying around to pay for a coach. But that doesn't mean I can't find someone who's just a little bit farther ahead than I am and get the best coaching I can get with the money that I have. And then when the more money comes in, I go and work with them. 
For ex- another example, Steve Hardison, who wrote The Ultimate Coach. I would love for him to coach me too. But I don't want to get on a plane right now once a week for a year to fly to Arizona and give him 200 grand for him to coach me. If I had it, now that might be a different story. But I'm not comparing my success or anyone else's success to what Steve Hardison does. He's been in the game 30 years. I've been in the game two minutes. And, you know, like uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell says, uh, I think in Outliers, 10,000 hours is kind of like the your world class in this thing once you give it 10,000 hours. Okay, well, if you've given yourself three minutes and you're comparing yourself to someone that's got their 10 or 20,000 hours on it, you would think they would be better. Case in point, my pressure washing. This just came to me just now. My pressure washing. The first job I got, I swear to you, this is exactly what happened. I'm passing out flyers in this neighborhood about five minutes down the road here. And this guy comes out and I hand him my flyer. I had never professionally done a driveway in my life. I'd only done with the wand on my own driveway two days before. I'd never know how to fire a pressure washer until I went into like, oh, how hard can it be? I'll just figure it out. Let's just give it a go and see what happens. The first guy that says, how much? I go, really? I didn't have pricing because I didn't expect anybody to say yes. And I said, oh, uh, how about $100? He's like, you're hired. When can you do it? I said, uh, 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 <laughs> yesterday? I had no clue because I didn't think anybody was going to do it. But now, as of today, I just did my 1,765th pressure washing job. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. But all that to say, I'm not comparing myself that is, you know, the king of pressure washing for the whole country or the world or whoever, you know, the best guy in the whole, the whole world. I'm not comparing myself to him because that's too big of a gap. There's somebody in Houston that has a pressure washing school and he certifies people to learn how to pressure wash. He works at this area called, I don't know what his name is. It doesn't matter, but he works at this neighborhood. He works exclusively in this neighborhood uh, on the other side of town called river Oaks. Now, if you want to see some gigantic houses, I mean, like mansions, just exercise houses. Oh, no, these are we're talking like. We're talking 10 to 15,000 square foot minimum. Minimum. I mean, some of these over there are I think I've seen a couple that are around 50,000 square foot. My goodness. And they're on land. I mean, they've got acreage. I mean, it's a, it's a, a plot of land. But this guy services that neighborhood, and he has for years. But I'm not comparing myself to him. Because what I heard, I heard this a story a couple of days ago. Whenever we compare ourselves to someone else, someone I heard, actually Rich, Rich Litvin, he said in a story, I just heard this yesterday. He said he started weight training again, and he hasn't weight trained in uh, several years. And he said the trainer he has, he said, is an absolute monster. He's massive. He was like an NFL linebacker or something. He's huge. And he was uh, doing the bar uh, for a shoulder press, or I don't know what the term's called, a shoulder press or something where it's like this, and you're putting the bar up like this. And Rich was struggling with just the bar. Okay. Now the bar was 45 pounds. So it's not like it's, you know, just, you know, picking up this cup or whatever. But the guy, the trainer told Rich, Rich, 
everyone starts with just the bar. So all that to say, think about how far you've come, not compared to someone else, but think about up to your potential. I probably could have done this and this, but I didn't, but I can do something about it now. Yeah. So I think it's vital to not only remember who we are, because that's super important, but whose we are. And the creator of the known and unknown galaxy knows you by name, and you are here for a purpose to bless someone else. Will you bless everyone? Absolutely not. Some people are going to hate your gut what you do. Hashtag there will be haters. Deal with it. But there could come a time where the exact person or thing that needs to be said can only be said by you. At that exact time, that person needed it. Another story that I, I, I'm, I'm getting a bunch of stories. I had no idea what we were, how we we're going to go today. It just it was coming up. One of my former co- uh, clients years ago struggled with, uh, I don't know what the official term, pain pills. Uh, he was like addicted to them. I don't know what the official med- uh, opioids or whatever the, whatever the term is. He was hooked on pain pills. I mean, hooked like hospitalization hooked on pain pills. Well, he kind of broke out of it where he, uh, he didn't really need them anymore. He joined up with us. We went through our stuff and then he kind of went radio silent for three or four weeks and nobody had heard him and he travels a lot for his job. So it's not uncommon, but you know how sometimes you get those promptings and it's like, do this right now, no questions asked. I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm pressure washing or something one day. And like, it's clear as me and y'all, me and y'all are talking text. So-and-so right now. Well, I was literally in the middle of, I was in the middle of a pressure washing job. I had about this much left to finish the driveway. And I didn't get half that done. And I heard another voice. Did you hear what I just said? I said, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me take my gloves off, go turn on my pressure washer. So I texted, long story short, I texted the the guy. And I said, hey, uh, so-and-so, like, what's up? Haven't heard from you in a while. And he responds back immediately. He says, he says, all good here. I'll see you in the morning. I was like, okay, well, okay. I did what I was told and that let's, that's end of it. Well, he pulled me aside the next morning. We had a little meeting, me and some other guys and him. He pulled me aside and said, I got to make a confession to you. I said, okay. Like I didn't know what he was talking about. He goes, why did you text me yesterday? I go, uh, I was told to. He goes, really? I said, yeah. I said twice. I said, I didn't listen the first time and I got it right then. And he goes, well, I got to confess to you. I lied to you. It's like, "Uh, okay. He goes, when you texted me, he goes, I had just found a pain pill that was hidden, hidden in my house. Like, and I forgot it was there. He said, I had it in my hand And you texted me and then I dumped it down the drain. Now, if I'd have led into my story or the story I I could have let played out that, oh, that was last night's pizza or that was I'm just imagining things, then who knows what would have happened? And that's exactly all that to say that's exactly what you could be, both of you. 
at the exact moment that it's needed. The story that comes to mind from the Bible, if you haven't read it recently, it's must-read material. Esther. I love Esther. Love Esther. If you look at Esther, it's the only book in the Bible that does not mention God anywhere in the Bible. It's not in there. Now, he's in there, but he's not specifically stated as God, Jesus, obviously not Jesus, but God, you know, he, he's not in there. But it's all the stuff that led up that seemingly was not working out the way that it was supposed to. The queen, God, God made Esther apparently to be the most baddest looking chick ever in the whole earth. Because what Xerxes did was he basically had a beauty contest. He got all the people from all the regions and she was the prettiest looking one of the bunch. And he, he was the king of the known world. So he could have access to anybody he wanted. And she was, she was the one that got picked. They get married. She invites him to dinner with Haman. She's going to ask for Haman to be corrected because he's going to kill everybody. But there's a pause. And she says, he says, what will I, what do you want Queen Esther up to half the kingdom? Say it, it's yours, no questions asked. She said, what I really want is you to come with me again tomorrow for dinner. So then on that night, not any night, that night, the king couldn't sleep. On that night, the king can't sleep and ask his uh, hands or whatever, his servants, to go get a boring book that'll put me to sleep. They just so happen, quote unquote, to go to the bookshelf, get the exact book, turn to the exact page where we're talking about how Mordecai saved the king's life a couple years ago when some of his people were trying to assassinate him. The king sits up in bed and says, what have we done for Mordecai? The people who are reading the book of, you know, the Chronicle of the King or whatever said, we did nothing. The king says, what? He saved my life and we did nothing for him? In walks Haman, who just finished building the gallows for the Jews and Mordecai the day before. So all this stuff doesn't look like it's happening. Then the king tells Mordecai, the king tells Haman, what should the king do for someone who he wants to honor? Haman is kind of smelling himself, and he thinks, oh, yeah, he's talking about me. So he says, oh, you should put your king's robe on him, give him the ring, let him uh, go across the city saying, oh, this is the king's right-hand man. He's the greatest guy that thinks in sliced bread. But the king didn't say it was for Mordecai. He, Haman thought he was talking about him. So the king says, perfect. Go get Mordecai and do exactly what you just said. Now, Haman does not really like this because he's, he's mortal enemies with Mordecai. But if the king says it, what are you going to do? You're going to get your head chopped off? Or you're going to go do what the king says? But then it just so happens that after he does that and he totes Mordecai around the city the whole day, then he gets home. His wife basically said, well, don't you feel like a loser? You know, you're terrible. Well, then here comes the king's guards to get Haman for the dinner that he agreed to the night before. And then on the dinner, he says, 
the king says, Esther, what's your request up to half my kingdom? And she says, this guy, Haman, is trying to kill me and my people. Uh Uh-oh, bad news for Haman. Then the king goes in a rage, leaves. Esther gets up from the table, goes to this like couch-like thing, is lounging on the couch, and Haman is begging her for her life. The king just so happens to walk in at that exact time, and he thinks that she's, He's trying to like rape Esther. Super bad news for Haman. Bag goes over his head and it's over. And then the king ordered Haman to be impaled on the gallows he built for Mordecai. So all that story to say, we never know when we're going to say the one thing that changes someone's whole destiny. I know a guy who's told me before, and I believe you're only one conversation away from completely changed life. So with all that being said, I would challenge all of us. I'm including myself too, because I definitely don't have this figured out. What has happened in my past that I can use that experience that I lived through to be a benefit to someone else? And it may not come today. It may not come in the next three minutes, two, 12 minutes, two weeks. But if you just think about how can I use what I went through? Because what I didn't tell you in the story of Esther is whenever they had their beauty pageant <coughs> beauty contest, all the people who were selected as like the top, you know, 10 or 20 or whatever went to like a two year uh, beauty treatment, basically. So they went with the king, well, they went with the king they weren't playing Scrabble, okay? They went in in the evening and didn't leave until the morning. So uh, not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But that wasn't the preferred way to do it, but that was the best way for Esther to get close enough to the king because God knew what was going to happen later. And she needed... He needed Esther to be in a position to have influence over the king. And the key verse of Esther, which is exactly what I'm tying into, you never know when you're going to say the one thing that's going to change someone's life. Julia, you want to quote the verse? For such a time as this. Perhaps you were put here for such a time as this. Because we can't get everyone. It's impossible. Don't even try. But for the person that you're connected to, you may say something that someone else told them three days ago, but you said it in a way where they were receptive to hear and their whole life changes. But if we are in a victim mindset, Versus like, oh, poor little me, you know, oh, this all happened. If we get out of that where we start taking ownership of our life going forward, you could be the difference in literally someone's life changing. Real quick, last story, and then we'll, we'll, I'll get y'all's thoughts. When I was before you, before you say that, before you say that, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I just want to point out that it's 357. You oh. said you had a hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. okay. So when I was in high school, my high school is by any stretch of imagination, massive. Okay. We were the first class to graduate with a thousand people in our class. Oh. High school, not college, high school. Oh. Mine too. Okay. 
So we're now 6A. When I was in high school, we were 5A and we were kind of too big for 5A, but 6A didn't exist. Yeah. Wow. So I was an athletic trainer in high school because there's a story behind that, but I was an athletic trainer. No problem. This one guy, uh, Troy, jokingly, not really jokingly, one day said, I'm not going to see you tomorrow. I got some razor blades and I'm going to go home and slip my wrist tonight. And he was being serious. Like he was not coming back. I said, huh? I said, okay, well, I called one of my friends, well, older, an older gentleman. And we went, I found out where he lived and we went over there and knocked on his door. And uh, we, we talked to him for probably an hour and a half. Since that time, he ended up not doing it. He was going to. He ended up not doing it. He served in the army. He's got a wife, kids, the whole deal. But what if I'd have doubted myself? What would I say to him? I've never saved someone's life before. Now, technically, I didn't save his life. I mean, that was his decision. He still could have done it because I didn't, I wasn't with him all night. But what if I would have thought to myself, I don't really know what to tell him. I'm just going to let him just uh, hope I see him tomorrow. You know, I didn't have, I don't have training in that stuff. I've never been trained in that stuff, but sometimes you don't have to, sometimes you got to be there and just be present with someone, you know? So I challenge y'all. If something's not coming up, think about, Hey, how can I use what I've gone through and survived and thrived in the process to help someone else along the way. Any uh, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, snide remarks? That was good. Thank you very very much. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, um, y'all know how to find me if if, – you have any questions or something comes up, I reach out to me. It's no problem. I mean, y'all both have my cell phone. Reach out to me or send me a message. But uh, I, I mean, I kind of like this because I, I had no clue. I was going to say, the only thing I knew I was going to say was my intro. And other than that, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I appreciate y'all, y'all playing, playing along. Cause if, if, if y'all didn't say anything, I didn't have an hour worth of material today. I had about, well, let's see, the intro was probably about 45 seconds. It's about what I had today. So um, I'm here. I have something in my notes. I have to, I'm going to get it and send it to both of you. But um, I was thinking about what I would say to as I was as I was thinking about what I wanted to do my video on one of the things I thought about was what would I say to a five-year-old a five-year younger version of myself myself five years 10 years 20 years ago yeah and I I uh I put that in my notes what I would say and it has it was in line with what you but what we talked about today and um pretty incredibly I think so it's amazing how that works out right God is good. God is Uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I I think we can sum up, I I can sum up your letter to yourself five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. This too shall pass. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're currently going through, whatever you're going to go through, this too shall pass. Yeah. It's come to, it's come to go. It's come to leave, not come to stay. So. Excellent. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I guess we're done for uh, today, boys and girls. All right. Now awesome. remember next Thursday, 10 a.m. Not 2 p.m. Right. 10 a.m. Central next week. 8 a.m. on my way to the airport. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Julia is going to uh, 
Hawaii. Oh, big time in us. So, have a great time, Julia. I will. My kids paid for it, so we're going to go have what? a family wedding. So, I mean, I'm blessed. The only thing worse than going to Hawaii is going to Hawaii for free. Okay, let's just call it like it is. Okay, so, uh, anywho, so uh, thanks for playing today. It's been fun. Thank you. It was- Thank we'll you see both. y'all. Uh, we'll see y'all tomorrow at two o'clock if y'all can make it. Thank you. All right. All right. See y'all. Take care. Awesome. David has been a coach basically his entire life. He was made to coach people. He loves seeing people transform their lives through coaching. It's been said that it takes a coach to get you to a place inside yourself that you can't get to by yourself. It's also been said that you're only one conversation away from a completely changed life and that nothing ever happens outside of a conversation. If you'd like to have a conversation with David about where you currently are in life and where you want to go, reach out to him at davidcreel.com.